Thank you for tuning in to the Black Money Tree Podcast, hosted by entrepreneur, investor, and philanthropist, Jerome D. Love. We are committed to teaching you how to build wealth so that you can build your community. At the Black Money Tree, our goal is to empower wealth creation and create economic self-sufficiency in order to empower generations to come. Society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never enjoy. Powered by Wells Fargo Bank. Welcome to the Black Money Tree Podcast. Welcome to the Black Money Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome D. Love, and I'm so excited to be here for season two. And I'm really excited about our theme for this year because black businesses are booming. In fact, there was an article by Bloomberg that suggested that African-American business ownership is up 38% prior to COVID levels. There was 1.5 million new black entrepreneurs in August of 2021. Now there's a lot of different uh, reasons that one could speculate for this boom. There was a big initiative on buying black. There was a lot of folks that got a lot of these stimulus checks that had additional resources. And there were a lot that were just kicked out the nest um, and were forced into entrepreneurship because they no longer had a job. Whatever the reason, At the Black Money Tree, we believe that in order to build our communities, we're going to need resources. We're going to need wealth. And a critical part to building that wealth is by having strong businesses. So whatever the reason, there is a boom going on. So the theme of this season of the Black Money Tree is boom, building our own marketplace. There is a black boom going on, building our own marketplace. And we're going to give you the tools that you need to build your business, to create wealth, because that's what's necessary to build our community. Now, in order to facilitate today's conversation, I'm really excited. We have a true living legend, one of the nation, if not the world's leading restaurateurs, Mr. Marcus Davis, the owner of The Breakfast Club, Alley Cat, Reggae Hut, Culture. I mean, he's doing some amazing things, and I will delve to say that I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him and his support of the Black Expo, of me personally sharing nuggets of wisdom over the years. So I'm excited for today's guest. Please welcome Mr. Marcus Davis, owner of The Breakfast Club and a whole bunch of other stuff. Marcus, thank you for joining us on the Black Money Tree Podcast. <laughs> so, no, Marcus, thank you, brother. Good to, good to be here. Thank you for the invite. So, let, let's talk a little bit about your background. You're an yeah. entrepreneur, you, and you're not just your average entrepreneur. You, right. You're doing some big things. Where did that desire come from? I believe we talked, you were working for another franchise. I don't remember what it was right. out of college, and then you ultimately right. became an entrepreneur. Right. Uh, what made you decide to go down the path of entrepreneurship? You know, well, you asked two separate questions, right? What made me go down the path at the time that I did, but also you asked where did it come from? And so I'll deal with the the former one. Uh, No, let me deal with the latter one because I've been asked, uh, I was asked a number of times, man, where'd you get this entrepreneur thing from? And honestly, I hadn't sat to think about where I got that thing from, right? Not uh, what, what made you decide to go into business, what made you open this restaurant, but where'd you get that thing, right? That, yeah. that, that entrepreneur bug, that spirit, that itch, right? Um, that insatiable itch, right? Um, and I started sitting back thinking, okay, where did I get this from? Cause yeah. you know, in my mind, I'm thinking I grew up in a house, you know, two parents, first 
you know, first two in my family to go to college. They both went to Texas Southern University, greatest university on the face of the earth. Uh, I'll fight anybody that says anything differently. Um, uh, you want to square up? Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, and both were uh, were educators. My, both my mom and dad were thirty year educators. So I was like, okay, well, where did they come from? Yeah. And then I sat back and I thought about um, glimpses of entrepreneurship that I had. So while my father was uh, an educator by profession, he had two passions that that he could have been professional in. One was he was a damn good musician, and the other was he was a fantastic cook, best cook I ever met in my life, best chef, best whatever you want to call it. And uh, as a result of him being, um, you know, great in the kitchen with food, he had a catering business on the side. And so my one of my first glimpses of entrepreneurship came watching my father uh, on the weekends and over the summers run his uh, small catering business, you know, doing little weddings and banquets and uh, had a crew. It was mostly family involved, family and friends that were involved in terms of being his staff. You know, my brothers and I, we'd go out and um, do the do the the labor during the week. And then on the weekend when the event came, we put on our little cummerbund and bow ties yeah, okay. and when it served at the event. So that was that 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 was one. But the other that that was really, really striking to me that I thought about was my grandmother mm-hmm. uh, on my mother's side who was an entrepreneur, but I didn't know she was an entrepreneur. Uh, for those of you who are, you know, in my age group and you grew up in a black neighborhood in the city of Houston or across the country, there was always somebody in the neighborhood that was the candy lady or the yeah. pickle house or whatever yeah. you had, whatever the name is, different regions of the country, yeah. they called it different. The cool cup lady, the candy lady, the pickle house, right? Yeah. And so that was my grandmother. And so my first glimpse of what it meant to go and buy uh, wholesale and to come back and break down and sell in individual packs came from my grandmother going to get the big bag, the the big variety packs of chips and coming back and selling them uh, at a rate where we could profit off of the box, right? Going to get the big bucket of pickles and breaking them down into individual baggies so that we could make a profit off of buying bulk candy and putting it into smaller packets. So in essence, the African-American community, what we, one of the things we don't realize is we were the originators of the convenience store, yeah. right? That's, yeah. that, was, that was the corner store. We called it the candy lady. We called it the, the pickle house. But my grandmother was, my, was a very early glimpse of, you know, uh, of, you know being, being an entrepreneur, going out and hustling and scrapping and buying at a certain price point and making sure that you sell at a profit. And, 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 and I hate to use this slogan, but don't get how y'all supply, right? Because you couldn't yeah. eat all the candy. <laughs> you couldn't eat all the candy. You couldn't eat all the pickles. Otherwise, you ain't going to make no money yeah, off of yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Dida was her name. Uh, Miss Mayor, as they called her. But she, uh, in right there in Cashmere Gardens in Houston, Texas, she had she had the the, the Cool Cup house, right? We, we, yeah. Those of you who don't know what Cool Cups are, if you're not watching in southern United States or Houston. And I know I found out different regions of the, of the country call, call it different, things. right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, you, you buy a, a, a pack of, you know, you get your water, you buy your packs of Kool-Aid, and you get the little eight-ounce cups, and you pour the Kool-Aid into them, then you stick them in the freezer. And then when they're done, you know, you sell them for a quarter, 50 cents or whatever the going rate is at the yeah. time. So yeah, when I, when I sat down and, and reflected on where did I get this entrepreneurship thing from? I didn't know that it was being absorbed as I was yeah. a, 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 a child through my grandmother, through my father and watching uh, some things that they had done. So let's talk about formal education. Now, yeah. now you were educated yeah. indirectly. Did your 
TSU's great mm. school, but do you feel like the greatest, that, the greatest, that, not a great, not a great school, the greatest. We'll, we'll let you go with that. <laughs> but do you feel like your formal education prepared yeah. you or taught you to or prepared you for what you're doing oh, today? I, look, I I just had this conversation yesterday. I feel like my college experience, okay. combined with the education that you get in the classroom, helped prepare me for today. Yeah. And when I say college experience, the you know. College is more than just what you learn in the class. It's about learning life lessons. You know, yeah. we just dropped our kids yeah. off at, 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 at Howard yeah. for their freshman year. And, you know, it's about the network that they build, right? It's about the cross-pollination of ideas, right? It's about the what you learn in the classroom. And, you know, just to be frank with you, it's about how the hell do you manage when you register for the class, but you get to the class and they say you're not registered for it. Yeah, how the hell yeah. do you manage when you know you apply for financial aid, but it hadn't come through? How yeah. do you manage when you know you're supposed to be on the lunch, you know, the, the lunch ticket, but you, it, it, it ain't yeah. there. Right. So those all of those things combined uh, at thirty one hundred Cleburne for me were, you know, life changing. And yes, I can I can tell you my professors at Texas Southern. Uh, prepared me for uh, life, and they prepared me for um, you know the the profession that that I'm in. I didn't. I, my, my major was political science. I didn't. I didn't study business at, at Texas Southern. Uh, I cleared it up because some people think that I that I did. But no, my major was my degree was in political science. And they said, "Well, how do you use your degree today?" In the words of my mentor, everything that you do is a political statement. Yeah. Right. From flushing the toilet to wash your hands. Why? Because both of those things are governed by municipalities that you vote for or people who are appointed by oversee them. Yeah. Right. And if you're in business, you're damn sure in politics. If you're paying taxes, you're definitely in politics. Yeah. So that, that brings up two things for me. One, um, your son is going to Howard. Right. I right. believe your daughter went to Howard, too. My oldest daughter went to Howard. And my, my, my daughter is, is now going to Howard. My youngest has professed she's not going. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she's going to HBCU. Yeah. I just FYI, you know, it is, it's a house rule. All of my children have to go to HBCUs for undergrad. Yeah. Right? They are allowed to go to anywhere they want to go for grad school. Um, but as a, as a house rule, my kids are required to go to an HBCU uh, for undergrad. And there's a reason behind that. And I know we're talking about business and part of the reason behind that is because HBCUs are the biggest businesses in our community. And we, we don't fully recognize and pay attention to that. And we don't fully invest in them the way that we could and should. And the return on mm -hmm. state investment is unreal. We're le in, the, in this age and era of go get the bag, this is a big bag that we're leaving sitting on the table. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll come no, back to I mean that that just made me think yeah. of a, a couple other things. When you look at, and I know you've heard it before, uh, segregation, integration. Yeah. We got integrated, and we left our own. We, we yeah. felt like our um, schools, we felt like our businesses were beneath us, and we wanted to go to Woolworth. We right. wanted to go to the University of Texas at Austin. Hook them, right. <laughs> you know. We <laughs> didn't. We didn't want to go to Prairie View, <laughs> Grambling anymore. Mm. And it's it's part of the conditioning that they put in our mind. This is a mm. true story. Now, I love. I'm happy I went to UT. I'm like you, and I've told people absolutely zero that I got in the classroom that I used for my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. But the network that I built, right. the experiences that I've had has helped me to be where I'm at today. But I remember my daddy said, you can go to school in Texas or Louisiana because we have land in Louisiana. And, we, right. he's in, and Gramlin offered me a full scholarship. 
And I remember hearing, don't ask me where we heard it, but we always hear stuff about our stuff. Right. I heard that the air conditioners ain't going to be working. It's, it ain't going to be working. It's going to be ghetto. And, this. and I chose University of Texas Austin with a partial scholarship yeah. over Grambling with a full scholarship simply because I was buying into stereotypes about our stuff let, let, that was somewhat unwarranted. Now, now look, let, let's say they were true, right? Yeah. Let's say they were true. Right? So it's, it's, it's no secret that I think a year ago, the, the students, there was an uprising at Howard because of the, the dorms, right? Yeah. And when I, when I told my colleagues that, that, that my son was going to Howard, like, what about the dorms? I was like, what about them? Well, they say that there's some conditions with him. I say, okay, well, let him go figure it out. That's life. Yeah. Right. I'm excited about the opportunity that he has to go and say, hey, this is what I'm here for. These are the conditions and standards that I'm experiencing. And this is what uh, I, I should be experiencing. Right. And yeah. deciding to make the decision that is sufficient or to decide to make decision to fight for. It, right. Yeah. That is what life is about. So I would not I would never deprive my daughter, my oldest daughter. I hate it when I would tell her yeah. this. I would never deprive her of the opportunity to figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She she'd call me one day. She said, Dad, uh, I need to talk to you about this. And she described her problem. You know, I'm dad. I'm listening. And at the end of it, when she finishes, I the phrase she hated was, oh, wow, man, that is fantastic. I'm excited <laughs> to see how your leadership shows up in this time, <laughs> in this period. Yeah. Right. Because I want you to solve this. Right. See, Where I thought you was going to go with that is what if it is? It's if it is the way it is, AC ain't working or a subsetting. No, it's I, because of the resources. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the reason they don't have the resources yeah. is because we're, we're not, not supporting it. So, it was so funny. Let me say this real quick. I saw I was watching comedian Bill Burr, and this man, I don't know how this is gonna come across. <laughs> he was talking if about it's Bill, if it's Bill Burr is gonna come across he, terrible. He was talking <laughs> about the WNBA. Oh, and yeah, how yeah. people say that it's he said, well, it's a reason why the women athletes don't get paid. I'm not going. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to let you finish that because the point was. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. In order for them to have the resources, so, in order to get the pay, in order to get that. Right? Yeah. So look here, 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 and the reason I said because you know it, people will conflate things, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and they'll yeah. Miss, they'll miss this message, right? Yeah. So here, here's the message. I ran the Texas Southern University National Alumni Association, I think, in 2010, yeah. and I prepared myself for taking two years off. Uh, from my day to day as the CEO of my company to make sure I ran this 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 operations organization in order to try and grow and prosper it because I wanted to make sure that it contributed to the university and its advancement right and so one of the things that I that I knew I was going to hear was reasons excuses as to why we can't or shouldn't right oh no I can't I can't get a part of that and and, and it's like some ten year old answer of why you didn't right uh, oh, man my transcript was i'm like sir even murder is the only thing that doesn't have an, a time uh, expiration yeah. on it right that, that's an expiration on that secondly this is most important to your point i would remind them that whatever issues that you experience i'm appealing to you to prevent the children that are there today from experiencing it, right? So Texas Southern University has its largest freshman class right now. I yeah. believe Howard does as well, mm -hmm. as well as a number of probably yeah. other HBCUs. Yeah. And right now is the opportunity for African-Americans to really make sure that they invest in the experiences that the, those children have, right? Yeah. And then if it doesn't turn out, you know, the the uh, uh, street paved with gold and flown with milk and honey, still doesn't change mm -hmm. anything uh, re regard to the value of their presence. Our children are our most valuable assets mm -hmm. and our HBCUs are our biggest treasure chests. 
They give contracts, right? We're, we're talking business, right? They dole out contracts for for construction and for uh, any other services and goods that, that may be needed at the university. They give jobs or they, they employ folks. They create programs that address societal issues. And let's just be honest with you, man. Every March, we get excited about this thing called March Madness, which is a $750 million tournament that HBCUs only walk away with about two checks for about two, two million total. Yeah. That's what we that's the bag that we leave on the table. Meanwhile, the other, you know, the predominantly white institutions have 80 percent African-Americans run those those uh, that that strange fruit running up and down their fields and their courts. And they get to take home the rest of the hundreds of millions of dollars. And we say we're serious about our money. Yeah, Come on, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. be real. You know, it make me think about Dion and his yeah. decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I commend him for I, what I, he's doing. I, you know what? I applaud it. I celebrate it. I'm excited about it. But I'm also aware of the danger of it. Right. And I hadn't said this on the mic, but I guess I'll say it now. Right. Uh, I love what's happening at Jackson State. I love what ha what's happening for HBCUs with regard to Dion. But one of the things that I have to make uh, sure black folks understand is that Jerome and Marcus have and had that capacity even before Deion Sanders. If every father, if every parent would make sure that they do what they're supposed to do with their household, with their assets, with our children, then we have the bandwidth that a Deion Sanders has, right? You got you got your 12, I got my 12. If, if, if everybody does what they're supposed to do in their household, then we take care of more than just one university. We take care of tens to hundreds yeah. of universities. Yeah. So let's talk about this. When I started Black Expo, yeah. believe it or not, I was 24 years old. Whoa. People thought I was a lot older than I was. <laughs> I mean, I'm at press conferences with mayors, with Congress people. You know what it was? Uh, what's that? It's that country draw. That country draw. <laughs> <laughs> but bottom line, because of my age, there were certain things I just didn't understand. Right. I remember sitting with you at the ensemble theater and yeah. you were kind of talking to me about the need for supporting yeah. black businesses. And we got to go out of our way right. to help our own help. Our, right. And honestly, I was too young to understand right. what you were sharing with me. Wow. And as the years went by and some of the harsh realities of being an African-American entrepreneur right. <laughs> who's trying to help other entrepreneurs and right. trying to get wealth in our communities and right. don't understand that when we're putting wealth in our community, that means it's coming out of somebody else's community. And some people ain't happy about that. Yeah. And long to short, it took me a while to get to the understanding that you were trying to share to me. And I, I came to you and I apologize. I said, Marcus, I apologize, man. There were a lot of things that you were trying to share. Yeah. Uh, and I'll I, I, be honest, I probably rub you the wrong way, <laughs> but you never once uh, overtly let me know. Right. And you continue to support until I got to that level. Right. And I think, well, you tell me, I think you saw a bigger picture. You saw what we were doing for the community and it knew it wasn't about Jerome and Marcus. Right. It was about our community. So talk about that and the need for us given second chances you right. know i was young and didn't know anything we got to have people in position that can help those that just don't know yeah so let me let, let me because hey, i i missed it the first time you said it and i want to make sure i don't miss it the, this time uh because the second time you meant you mentioned uh integration and segregation right yeah. so i i, I there, there's this conversation that people have about uh, integration and how how it served us, right? And and I, I'd, I'd like to dispel that, right? Integration is a tool. Integration is a tool. And how we use it is up to us, 
right? An analogy that I use is a hammer is a tool. You can use it to build a house. You can use it to tear down a house, but it's the same tool. Integration is a tool that we could use to either uh, uh, forsake our businesses or it is a tool that we can use to go into extract money from the general marketplace and bring back to our community. You want to know what it looks like? Go in Third Ward and then go on Bel Air and you see what it means to extract and build in another area, right? Yeah. yeah. For those who are in Houston, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because all the nail supplies and the chicken and rice number ones and the and the beauty supplies that that extract, they go outside the beltway and they build a whole separate community with the dollars that they took from the African American community. Or that we freely gave uh, to them to take into into another segment of town. Um, so that 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 that's one. But the 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 idea of what it means, you say it's second chance, and and you know we we all grow at our own pace, right? And yes, I did believe Texas Black Expo Expo is and was something important. I think it was valuable. There's a there's a there's a scripture that says uh, I'm not preaching, but I, <laughs> there's a proverb that says be not offended because offense brings about betrayal. Right. And yeah. if I'm passionate about community, if I'm passionate about business, if I'm passionate about black people, then I can't be offended by something to the degree that I'll betray what the purpose is. Right. Your, yeah. your purpose was to build black business. Right. Was to strengthen the African-American community through economics. And so, I, you know, I just believe that in due time, if we kept working at it, that it would come around. You know, I, I'm in the restaurant business. Right. And so, uh, you know, there was a guy that came in one day. Hey, you know, people praise us for our service today. You know, shout out to my staff because they, they, they work hard at doing a great job. <clears throat> one of the ways that it got that way was because, one, I was deliberate and intentional on, on, on being, you know, having that standard. But two, there, 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 there was uh, Mr. Roy. He was one of our customers, one of our early customers. And one day Mr. Roy came in and his order was messed up. And another day Mr. Roy came in and his order was messed up. And when I noticed, I said, OK, I got to get involved in this. Right. And when I stepped in, I was like, yeah, we're going to get this right. Yeah. And then on that third time, Mr. Roy's order was messed up again. I was yeah. like, shoot. And then a fourth time, I was like, man, I, by this time, my head is hung. And I walk over to him. I said, Mr. Roy, listen. I said, I appreciate you coming back. I appreciate you trying. I said, for some reason, I don't know what it is, what the magic is, what the mojo is. I don't know what it is. But for some reason, I can't figure out what's happening in this interaction, man. And I'm, you know, I understand if you don't, you know. He said, brother, every time something happens, you try and fix it. And as long as you have the, the heart to fix it, then I have the heart to keep coming and giving you a shot. And that, for me, was uh, a mentality and a mindset that I, that I took on from him, right? Just being willing to be patient through the growth uh, of someone that's given the effort or something that's given the effort to something good. Yeah. Well, you well, know, shout I, out to Mr. Roy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still come in? Uh, he moved away. Okay. He, he moved, he, but he came faithfully until, okay. until he moved out of the, out of okay. the city. So I, I, our time is running, man. I, oh, I man. didn't even, you, you're, you're like uh, <laughs> entrepreneur par excellence. So I know people want to hear a little bit about that, yeah. but I'll, I'll just close it out and just say, what is that one thing that you wish you would have known and or that you tell other people that's thinking about starting in business? What are just one or two nuggets that you would tell uh, mm. your son, your daughter, anybody that come to you and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting a business. What is something that you think everyone needs to know? And or what do you think that maybe people just are missing? Ah, uh, man, I, you asked you asked a lot, <laughs> <laughs> and you got sixty seconds to answer. <laughs> uh, man, what? I can't say the one thing, but a thing that I that I 
think people should understand is that so there's there's a saying of you know i want to work for myself right and as an entrepreneur that's not what entrepreneurship is right entrepreneurship is about working together right entrepreneurship is about working for and with the community and the team that you that you build right so i i i try and dismiss this idea when people say i want to work for myself i have a staff of you know x amount of people if i don't get up and do my job then their job is non-existent, right? So in essence, I work for them. I have a, you know, 50 people that's waiting to get in when we unlock our door. I work for those people. If I don't do my job, they don't get the product that, they, that they're looking for, right? And, you know, <laughs> I don't get to take care of my family. Yeah. I work for my family, right? Because I have three children that I have to, you know, put a roof over their head, have to send them to the best HBCUs that are out there. I've got a wife I've got to take care of the, to, for, for, you know, putting up with me and my entrepreneurial ways yeah. over the last 20 years. So, you know, this idea that entrepreneurship is not about working for, my, for yourself. It's about working with. It's about working with your team. It's about working with your customers. It's about working with your community in order to build something great. Man, that that's that's tremendous wisdom. I, I live by that as well. I know when I got in, was young. I want to have my, I want to control my own destiny. <laughs> well, you know, I tell people, you know, man, it's entrepreneurship is something else, but it's oh, it's enjoyable. It's giving me yeah. the opportunity to really be a part of my kids' life, yeah. get them integrated in what I've done, so they've seen yeah. it firsthand. And I believe that it's critical oh. because they're going to be so much further ahead than I was. And here's one of the things that I share with, with folks when, because, you know, we, we get all excuses about why why not support black business, da, 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 da. and I try and give all the reasons as to why support, right? And one of the reasons that people miss, right, when you support entrepreneurship, when you support black-owned business such as mine, such as yours, what you're actually doing is not just providing an economic engine in there, but you're also, the people that have supported the Breakfast Club over the last 20 years of putting three little black kids through HBCUs. Uh -huh. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? So you're helping to create more productive citizens that yep. will contribute to the community. It doesn't, it's not just about the grits and the eggs and the exchange yep. of the dollar bill at that point in time, but it's also about the residual income, yep. right? You know, oh, man, that's a word. Can it, woo, let's take up some offer. One of our, <laughs> I think both, of, he, he's one of my mentors, about Sean Taylor. He told yeah, me, yeah. he always tells me when he had his Taco Bell, he, yeah. he said, I forgot the guy's name, one of his lawn guys he said yeah. i put his kids through college put them i mean college. there are people he's helped but they're giving me the sign we're yeah. out of time <laughs> real quick where can we find you social media handles yeah. what else you got upcoming go ahead and it's your time go oh, ahead yeah i'm uh, uh instagram marcus mosiah after okay. marcus mosiah garvey one of the greatest entrepreneurs oh yeah that came and contributed to our society right yeah. what i have next i'm just gonna keep trying to build wakanda one grid at a time all right. Won't you join me? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Marcus. It's you, been buddy. a pleasure having Appreciate you. It much. And thank you for tuning in to the Black Money Tree Podcast. We're really excited. Boom. We are building our own marketplace. I want each and every one out, out there to join us June 23rd to the 25th in Houston, Texas. We have so many surprises going on. We have a corporate lunch and we have concerts. Plus, we're going to have hundreds of African-American entrepreneurs showcasing their businesses. And we want to invite you out. And of course, you can always go to theblackmoneytree.com, get a copy of the book. We want to teach you how to build wealth, growing your wealth through entrepreneurship and real estate. That's what the Black Money Tree is about. And I want to thank you for joining on this journey. We'll see you next time.
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Black Money Tree Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this video. And if you want more content like this, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next time.